this is a special episode because while I talk a lot about community and I talk a lot about category design, I haven't really, you know, taken a, one of these ones to kind of put it together, how it goes together and, and kind of bring him, bring him into one episode. And it's special because I got to do it with my buddy, Sharon Joseph, who is the person I built my first Young Professionals community with. She's one of my best friends. Uh, I married her and her and her husband. I was the officiant at the wedding. And she is uniquely qualified to take the reins of this like startup called goodwork.xyz that is creating a better work situation for creatives. I think it's the future of creative work. Um, and they're a completely community-led motion. So tons to unpack in this episode from why community is the way that they think that they can solve an endemic problem in a, a culture that is an industry that's already, you know, kind of toxic, um, how to plan a lightning strike around community, and um, also the idea of the from to, right? Like what, how you take the world from a place where it is to a new place that you are designing, right? The essence of category design. And this is, as always, a live internet talk show, the motion that we use here at BeTheStage.Live to create community and also create these podcasts and all this other content and all these other things, right? So hope you can join us. We are basically done for 2022 on these live shows, but we'll be kicking it back up with a new rebrand of the show and great content for you and more than anything, a great opportunity for you to come to be part of a community um, in early 2023. So uh, check us out in the show notes and hope to see you there. But for right now, enjoy the genius of Sharon Joseph. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. We're officially live on Facebook for the B2B Community Builder Show, episode 205. I'm your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez. This is a very, very special episode. If you read the description, our guest today, or you were with us before we went live, our guest today is somebody that I have uh, 50 years of friendship with. And not just that, not only have I officiated her marriage, but more importantly, I don't think that I would be on this path if it weren't for our relationship, because Sharon was the person that took the reins and led the way in the first significant community that I helped build that has informed everything that I am executing on today. On top of that, for about the last 10 years or so, I've told everybody that'll listen, that there's two people that I will work for if they ever offer me a job, and Sharon's one of them. And just a person that I love very dearly is a total boss, like marketing exec. You've done all the New York ad agency stuff and then your own business and everything else. And now, most importantly, has 
found, I think, what is her perfect calling, which is at goodwork.xyz. They are building a community that is going to allow for creatives to do the stuff that they love to do with people they love doing it with and love the way that they're treated, which I think is you're like the perfect person to just turn an industry on its head. You've been in this industry forever. I think it's really cool. Um, The Baus, Sharon Joseph, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you all who's joined live and catching in on the recording. Happy to talk about this. And yes, I'm happy to talk about it with my dear friend, Pablo. And I will say as much as I've influenced you. I would say you've influenced me. And you were the first person I called when I said, I've joined good work and here's what I'm doing. And you said, yes, yes, this is exactly what the world needs, not just what good work is doing and and what I've had the culmination of my career to, to lead good work through, but it is everything that this world needs is community and you're living in and talking about it. And you were the first person I wanted to tell. So- Love it. Love it. It's an honor, Sharon. Just like when you asked me to marry you and Hubert, it's an honor. I'm going to welcome our community here because we got some awesome people in the house. We got Venia Logan in the house. She is the community scientist of the community. We got Lee Bishop in the house, who's the community troublemaker. We got Denise Murda Buckman, who's been gone for a couple of weeks, but she's back. Denise, good to have you back. Happy to see you in the uh, in the chat. We got Christine Paso, who is working on bringing community into corporate culture and tying core values to company direction. We got Lori Goldman, who is our community super connector, if you believe it. She is the super connector within my community. So just think about that. She's killing it out there in, in, in Denver. Good Denver contingency here. Who else we got here in the chat checking in? All right. I see, but we got Penny Rose. Penny, who is a forensics accountant, CPA for content creators. So probably great for your community there, Sharon. That's going to help people a lot. I see Zam Zelich in the house. I think I've introduced you and Sam, the community manager for Squarespace. The ultimate New Yorker is what I like to call him, although I'm sure you have something to say about that. And I see other people that haven't checked in yet in the attendees. Happy to have you. This is an interactive show. I'm going to call out the fact that John Clear is here because it's making me very imposter syndrome because John Clear is a real category design expert. I'm just out here, you know, trying to like figure out how to grow up and be like him. Gabe Walters in the house. Good to see you, Gabe. And let's get right into Sharon. The problem that you are trying to solve to me is fascinating, right? And this idea of community and category design go together very nicely in my head. I've always kind of talked about it as like a a triumvirate of community category design and evangelism, right? Because if you're designing this category and you can really evangelize a problem, then you can congeal a whole group of people behind it that can serve as a community and accelerate word of mouth and all these different things that have to happen in order to really create a movement. But um, tell me in your words, what is is the problem that you're trying to solve? The problem we're trying to solve is that the world needs creatives and creatives in every capacity that is constantly creating. We all know them, whether they exist at an agency, a studio, in-house, or even freelancers. And creatives are not being creative. They're not doing good work. Everything that's influencing bad work in the creative industry has come to a head and is compounded over time. And we need to solve for that in creating an environment for creatives to do good work. And that's where it is in the namesake. Now that's the the macro. If you want to really dissect into it, all the scenarios of what's creating bad work is this one-to-one issue that companies are influencing on a creative where you're hired for a specific job description or a freelancer is being picked up on an individual project without any real connection to each other as a creative. And so good work is solving for that in in a team-based environment. And so it's assembling the most capable and compatible team for creative projects without having to have it be an agency or a full-time hire, it's it's flexible and fractional across the world. So we're solving that problem. Awesome. Awesome. If I add a little context because of our conversations, right? You've described to me this idea that it's hard to it's hard to understand this problem unless you are creative in the industry or you're hiring creatives and then it becomes blatantly obvious. But in the in in the sake of category design and going from to, you know, the world that you described to me is a world where 
teams are looking for the talents of creative individuals, right? And they believe that right now the mechanism that's there is just plop them in, make them do one thing in a silo, force them to then also do all these other things that they're not good at, like keeping track of their time and invoicing and putting together a proposal and pricing their hours in a way that seems equitable to everybody. And then they squeeze out, you know, that piece of like gold that they're like born on earth to do, and then just put them back, you know, like catch and release, put them back in the ecosystem. And what you are, what you've described to me is kind of this world where number one, putting a creative into just like one slot is by definition, like a waste of talent, right? Because they are able to creatively like connect dots, right? So integrating them into a team where they're not just like touching the one thing and they're able to see it through and really, I think Marta says this really well, right? Like creativity is being able to see connections that didn't previously exist, right? So being able to like connect those dots the more dots you give them, the more that they can make a better connection. And then on top of that, taking off of them the burden of like the business side of things and making that easy for them and their ability to just plug into that and go get in the right seat of the bus and go through a community platform that's essentially solving for both ends of the equation, right? Like you are bringing the creatives and finding a way to put them into teams and allow them to build and whatever and solve for that transactional problem. And you're also going to generate demand on the side of the people hiring creatives by evangelizing how much better this whole thing is going to be for everybody on board. Is that kind of, kind of, yeah. I kind of get that right? You got it. And and the easiest part here, and I didn't come up with the name good work, but the easiest way to look at it is bad versus good. And there's a lot of processes that are in place right now in the creative industry, whether it's a, a client booking a creative or creative agency or hiring a creative that has been putting the situations and processes and output in the bad defense. And we want to have an environment that is displacing that that bad, you know, so all the bad around business processes and project management and doing a job that you're not really cut out to do. A graphic designer shouldn't really be doing copywriting, but graphic designers have been put in a bad process where they accept the work where they say, I'll try, and then there's a bad output. And so removing all the bad in the creative industry, I wish I could with a magic wand, but this is the category designed for us because this is the from bad to good. And we've all, whether you know it or not, you've all been touched by a, a creative, touched by an angel, sorry, plug for lifetime. We've all been touched by a creative and you don't realize all the bad influence that went into what they're working on, that it if it came out good, it is somewhat of a miracle. So we're trying to remove the bad processes. Good work is not about outputs. A good work is about the teams that, are going to have that relationship with with you as the client. And I'll talk about, I don't like the word client, but as the client in your outputs, instead of it being in the traditional sense, the expectation is that an agency does outputs and a studio does outputs and 99 Designs does outputs. But the output is really the magic of a tight-knit, capable, compatible team who wants to work on this project, wants to do good work. But if we remove all the bad inputs in order for their outputs to happen, then we're doing good work. I love it. So problem is real to me, right? Like I think we've defined this idea of from where we want to take it to where we want to take it. I think in order to move forward anywhere in, in this conversation, I think why community is probably the next question, right? Like what is it about either the problem or the founder or the business model or whatever you're doing that is making good work want to like do this as a community for communities, community-led thing, kind of community thing. All the communities. All the communities. All the communities. I similarly have an issue, and you've already caught it, where as I'm saying what I'm saying, there's create, creative, creator, you know, every use of the create word gets applied. So community, yes. I've lived with the philosophy in, in my roles that it was at first marketing happens from the inside out. Advocacy happens from the inside out. The people are going to 
be the influence and the arbiter of what the outputs will be, no matter what organization you have. And so any business that you have, your people are already your community. If you don't have a happy community, you don't have good outputs. You don't have good work product. You have people who are clock punchers. And so I've always felt like whenever it was the topic of marketing and advertising, if I was putting the projects together for a company, or if I was in in-house at a company talking about how do we present ourselves as an organization and what do we stand for? I always wanted to start from the inside out. It's the people who are making this. And especially from a creative industry standpoint, it's kind of a commodity. I, I don't want to say that a copywriter is the best there ever is. I'm, if you're a copywriter, I'm sure you are. But there are a lot of copywriters out there and a lot of designers, a lot of people who are have creative roles in this world. And so the difference is going to be, do they actually like what they're doing? Do they actually believe in it? And so that's no matter the organization from the inside out. If you have people in your space that are believing in this mission together, then that's your community. It works that way also with community living. You know, everybody believes that they want their community to be safe and that the mailbox area should be clean. And so that's community living. And so knowing that creative industry has this widespread problem and we're all in agreement on it and nobody has offered a viable solution. There are some temporary solutions, but how do we plan for the future of what the creative industry will be? And think about the next generation of creatives who are self-taught, they didn't go to college, and all the expectations that existing generations have of what college did you go to? What degree did you get? What awards did you win? Who recommended you? How long did you work at an agency? Well, that the new generation won't need to worry about that. And how do we embrace that? And so we have to start from the inside out of a community that believes in that in order for us to affect change and actually establish a category that says, yes, we won't stand for and these bad scenarios, we've lived them, you know, we've decided that we don't want to do that. And we're here as a community working towards that together. So it, it's kind of a, a philosophy of from the inside out for me of we, we already know that the people who are going to be operating on the good work platform are members with a purpose and their purpose is to do good work. And they join for that reason, because they could get work other elsewhere. They could continue to apply for jobs and freelance and do gig platforms or get recommended from their friends and wait for the next project. Or they can choose to come in on this path that we're paving so that they can be part of like-minded individuals to work on this and be ready to get work. You know, Good work is to get work. And that's for our community, first and foremost. Nobody else can get work unless you're a community member. Good work is about the creative lifestyle and good work is about the connection to each other in order to do a good work product together. So that's community written all over it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. The first things that I heard that I really like that I put in the chat, and I'm sure that Ryan will make a quote card for you, is the people will be the inputs and the arbiters of what out, of what your output will be, I think is really well stated. And I think that is, you know, that's one of those things that can apply to so many different things. It makes me think of the leap that I went, that I made probably about like a year and a half ago when I realized that this whole game of community for business development, right? Like this idea that you can acquire clients and open up opportunities through community starts with the community that you have internally, right? Like if you don't have, if you're not hiring people that you are nurturing and congealing into, you know, a mission and a belief system and a POV and having something that, you know, get along with each other and then be able to exude that, it's going to be very unsustainable for you to try to build community outside of it. And then as you continue talking, so I was like, oh, okay, so you're a culture-based company for sure. And then as you kept talking, you started talking about this like industry-wide problem of that will only be solved through the best way I can put it is mentorship at scale, right? Like if there isn't, if there isn't people that have been through it like you, that have also been to the other side of it and figured out that there's a better way, and then provides the data point of validation to the person coming into it that doesn't know that there's a better way, but feels there's a better way. I think of that makes me think of like the conscious capitalism movement or the fact that, you know, companies these days are triple bottom line and all this stuff is happening. 
because at some point in like the 60s, the hippies happened and that whole like altruism got beat out of them because there wasn't a generation before them that could say, no, 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 no. some of us did succeed like this. And now that we're, you know, the millennials taking over and moving into leadership positions, there's just enough of those data points of the of business done the right way, the Patagonias of the world and all these other things. And then there's freedom of information that you're able to share that allows you to like walk into a work environment and be like, no, man, it can't just be you toxic dictator telling me what to do. That's not the best companies in the world are not built like this. They're built like this. And you'll be able to provide that thing. So for me, when I think of this need for mentorship at scale in order to provide that better path, community is the only tool, right? Like it's the only way that you can not just be on a stage dictating down to people, but to be in a circle chairs facing each other and dialogue going every which way. And that to me is the way that the only way that you can like change something that's so endemic and so just ingrained into the psyche. Yeah. And maybe that's a good callback to why the term clients or client servicing is a bad word in our internal dialogue. We even purposely say that we work with companies because to us, the company to creative member connection is a partnership instead of a top, you called it top-down dictatorship, or I've said that it creates somewhat of a subservient dynamic of, you know, I'm working for you. I have to do this output. The client's always right. And whether you are working at as a creative at an ad agency, which is, you know, the, you know, talk about endemic problems, like ad agencies set the, set the standard in the thirties, forties, fifties, madman days is our benchmark of this is how it always is. And so client servicing, if you're servicing the client at an ad agency or you work in-house for the client and the pressures of that is is similar, or you're a freelancer temporarily working for a client, you have you don't have a partnership on creative. You have a dictator asking you to do deliverables. And so those environments will still exist just the same way I think gas stations will still exist in our lifetime. But over time, how do we create it so that there's a partnership on what we're delivering as a creative industry and not just a order taking service. Love that. So if we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about community and category design. We've been talking a lot about the problem, right? And we've talked a little bit about the fro to the from to this, this industry where it's, you know, not a true partnership where the creative work is siloed, where creatives are forced to do this. And the ramifications of that means that the work isn't as good. The people aren't happy, high turnover rates were so like not good continuance of like people working together, like a band that's played together for a long time. You're coming together to cut your first album every single time, right? You famous as you as a saxophonist know this, right? What's the vision then of the future, Sharon? Like how is, if this thing works and, you know, whether it's good work or somebody else figures it out, what does that vision look like? That creatives or any sort of knowledge-based workers who work in teams instead of individuals can be joined together through technology and a community to work on projects. So yeah, the future is flexible and fractional based on your work product of how you want to work. And you don't have to, you don't have to be fixed in any capacity. Something, I mean, something came up. I'll make it very relatable. This idea that I'm asking every potential creative member, what they would change about the creative industry. Somebody brought up the idea that freelancers are are a dirty word. It's not the preferred approach. And yet we have this, we have lightning strike. You want to talk about that? We have this lightning strike of coming out of a pandemic. Everybody is remote based. You can be a creative who was originally a, a New Yorker, but live in Bali and you still have all of your knowledge and all of your capabilities and all of your compatibility of the team that you normally like to work with. So you don't have to be anywhere. So why is freelancing going to be, you know, how do we sunset that freelancer is a dirty word? And even freelancer originates as an English word for a medieval mercenary who fights for the highest bidder. And yes, we, if we don't have community now, we're living in a world where we're fighting against each other, even. You know, we're fighting for that one job as the creative director at Apple. You know, we're fighting for, you know, we're trying to outbid each other on Upwork. We are, I've seen it in, in 99 designs where the designers start back channeling 
me and saying, oh, they've submitted that design for a different company. Watch out. You know, so we're fighting against each other. And that's a world that I don't want to live in. You know, we've, we, what are we doing here? You know, so. So, so then now what you're laying out for me, to me, it makes a lot of sense, right? First of all, Christine says, Christine Paso says, I never felt more like a taskmaster than when I worked at an agency. It felt all wrong with no true partnership. You're right, Sharon, right? So I think you're on a nerve. And what you're describing to me, right, are the, if you were trying to play the better game, you know, and you were trying to say, you know, we're a better form of Upwork or we're a better form of 99 designs. But to me, what you're doing sounds sounds different, right? Like you're describing a world where these other platforms that have tried to congregate the buying and selling of creative services as a making it easier for creatives to get work have this distinct problem that also makes them cannibalize each other. And mm-hmm. what's different about good work is that you're creating an environment where that's not the case, where what it is, it's going to be, you know, the sum is going to be greater than the parts, unlike these other platforms. How does, how do you achieve that? Like what's on the roadmap? What's the blueprint for good work to get to that point? I mean, in the immediate, it's making sure that we're very focused on the types of work and the types of people that we involve in this, because it is a, at the same time, we're proving a model and we are changing behaviors, which won't happen in parallel. And so in the immediate, it's making sure that we have the right people involved and the right mix of people. And that learned process that I have through my career of compatibility of creatives and the and the right project profile for those types of creatives isn't necessarily innate in everyone. So to translate that into how does that look in technology? And we're having a lot of discussions around the creatives are the humans. And if we're trying to enable a better process, a bet to displace the bad process, you know, then we have to have some baseline data, but creatives are non-binary. So how do you have baseline data around somebody's capabilities and compatibility. And so the blueprint is really solving for that so that we can make sure that in the immediate, the teams have to be very controlled and nurtured. It can't be left to chance as we're building this and changing behavior at the same time. But then over time, it sets the model and it sets the, and that's what category design is, right? Where we need to set the standard. And I think, you know, in entertainment terms, until somebody created the character or the persona of Spider-Man, the idea of slinging webs from your hand and climbing up walls was kind of asinine, I'm sure. If a kid started doing that, you know, they might be sent to a doctor. But now it's they are Spider-Man. And so we need to say, this is what good work teams do. And we need to be very controlled around in our early teams and our early adoption that this is the hero of a good work team and the collective in a small scale so that it can be the benchmark teams as they start adopting this work style. Oof. That was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Hit five-star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. I love it. I love exactly how you use all this. And I think it's crazy that you and me haven't really jammed prior to this call to like set this up because what you're saying to me is the key to community creation, right? It's the key, this idea that the first few members need to be formed as the Avengers, right? Like I use the Avengers all the time. So Spider-Man, I guess Spider-Man is an Avenger, right? Like in, at least in the, one of those movies, but you need to form the Avengers, right? Like you need to set up who the superheroes are of the community to create that like cool club at the top of the ecosystem that everybody wants to model and want to be like, and really promote that. So the idea that your number one thing you're focusing on is quality of the first creatives that you really get good work for and, you know, make the example of like, okay, 
purchaser of creative services. We're going to give you somebody and you're going to have a great experience. And then anybody that comes into our community sees how this person has delivered the experience now has that benchmark is exactly that, right? It's cre- it's making the Avengers happen. You get to serve as like whatever shield or Nick Fury or however you want to put that, not necessarily the superhero yourself, but you're the person that is putting them together and putting them in places to, you know, kill the demons of the industry. But Sharon, if you're going to take so much time in vetting people and making sure that they're right, how are you ever going to grow a community? Don't you need to like get a thousand people in the door like tomorrow so you have a community? Well, I've come off a few big communities and I've seen the success of big communities. So I don't want to discount really big communities, but for us, it is, it's okay to be small. It's okay to have the small tight knit group. And as it becomes a thing that is widespread, we, we're envisioning it so that communities can be, you know, whether it's chapter based or it's project based, doesn't have to be this worldwide community. And it's, in totality, it can have its subdivisions, it can have its niches, because no, I don't want to be so prescriptive and say that this is the only way to do it. We're really set out to build it so that people can play with it as they need, as they see fit. And so I don't imagine in this way of working, especially because the way that I like to work is I need relationship-based work, and there's no way to do that with thousands of people, I, I would not enjoy myself. I would not do good work if I had to know the intimate details of thousands of people. But what this space will show is how to have this type of community, whether you want it to be small or big. And it's how to have this type of working together in a creative industry, whether it's small or big. Even the team size, it's three to five people on a team. Anything bigger than that, and you brought up the band analogy, we don't need a an orchestra, we needed a brass band, you know, and that's really the flexibility and the nimbleness that it'll bring. And so even when you start talking about the scale of community for the creative industry, it doesn't have to be widespread where everybody is all in the same spot. It could be, you know, sectioned off or subdivisioned depending on where the community takes it. Community playgrounds, community gardens, there's a lot of community analogies here rather than do it based on other businesses and other creative business models. This is more about the space to play. Nobody tells you how to use the swings or the monkey bars. You decide that you're going to, you're going to come to this space and time to play together. And that's what community is. I'm going to turn on the light realizing speaking of experience, this is a bad experience. I think it looks good, but anyways, I'm still listening. I was just going to say, you know, number one, Venia, our community scientist. Oh, that actually looks way better. I've seen massive, she puts in here, I've seen massive communities become small overnight because they're better when they're small, right? I think you and I were kind of bonding over this idea that our community that we started when we started this like young professionals group for Habitat taught us the lesson that you only really need, we could leverage just the eight motivated young professionals that cared about a better Miami and solving for generational poverty in order to say, oh, hey, superintendent of schools, can we get a meeting for you and like set a meeting in your boardroom in order to get to know you? And then we're just going to go plan our own thing, right? Or partner at one of the biggest law firms or whatever, right? Like I think early on, you and I had the good fortune of understanding that it doesn't need to be a big community to hold the power of a lever, right? Like of a real lever that can move stuff that you can't move by yourself. And I wonder, have you, is that stuff you think about, right? Like, do you go back, do you go back to those days and like model that stuff that we were doing and in, in what you are moving forward with? I think, I mean, even the way that you and I approached that community, we didn't have a model. We, I brought up this term innate. Something was innate that this was the way that we wanted to do it. Yes, we had a discussion with those that small team. And then I will say that the innateness in me has always been in this small group of interested beings to, to work towards something because I, I think the mass for me and my work style is not how I like to connect on what I'm doing. I, I've some people listening have heard the term kid, kidney friends, you know, like I, I like to be that close and small, you know, tight knit in a small team that 
you know, we have to be, we have to be willing to donate organs because we're, what else are we doing here? You know, we're working together towards, towards something, you know, and let's, let's keep it close. And, you know, this, this way of going about it is I think better because once you start, once you start having too much scale and even again, this, this sort of epitome of good work teams being small and and fractional and flexible teams is that if it gets too big, then, now, now you have people who maybe don't want to be there as much or don't have, as you know, their, their, their schedule is, is so varied from what the rest of the team is working on. So now you're accommodating the, the one or, you know, the, the, the person who you have to drag through the process, you know, and, and so that's, that's no longer community for me because no matter the, the scale, if, if we don't all have the, the tight knit, work environment, then, then it's, it's not something that I enjoy to do. I I don't need the, the mass influence. So, yeah, I think, I think it's informed me in a way that, that shows that this is, this is what I like to do with my time. I like to, to, to take a small set of people together. Let's, let's plan this and let's execute in in a in a great way and that's not something that the masses normally like to do i'm i've i have an expression i i like to make the path not take the path and not a lot of people really want to like chip away and and make a path together and and i think that's where over time i've noticed that the way that i like to work and the things that i like to apply my attention to has to align with with the those small groups of people who want to do that so Love that. Love that. All right. So let's get, let's get more, let's get more tactical. Lee Bishop's got a great question, which is, is good work setting up the control platform for the community? Is that your role? I think, I think the, the big question is like, all right, you have evangelized this problem. You've cast out kind of like, like the ramifications and the vision, you know, what's the blueprint? Like what is needed? What is needed to connect the dots between this like old state of isolated worker that just gets, you know, is a mercenary for the highest bidder to this community focused, like team member based person that's doing their best work for people that are getting the best product possible at, at the best prices. What is, what is what, what's needed, right? Like what is the, either what product you're building or what product should, you should be building kind of thing, right? Like what's needed. I have a I have a problem with TMI, so that's why I'm I'm censoring myself because I can tell you, but then it's it's the secrets the the secret sauce. It's how the sausage is made. So, it, tech this is tech enabled. We're all connected by tech, and so the the tech needs to be built. Tom Zampini, he's the founder and CEO. He's a technologist, and I've I've coined him a behavioral technologist because this is not the his first foray in making technology that that helps with alleviate you know pain points in in somebody's behavior in their day and so coming into the creative he he's never worked in the creative industry he and I joined forces on this to say let's look at it under that lens so the tech has to be put in place the the belief system has to be put in place we we've we have early members who with with good intention can do good work but they don't they don't do good work because it's hard to change the way that you've always done something, especially depending on where you are in your, in your career. It's just so compounded that we, mm-hmm. we fall back into the, to the same behavior. So the, the two things for this to be successful is, is tech and, and the, the belief system and not everyone's going to, to see it the same way. So it's just the constant connection and reminder from from the inside out that we this is what we're doing so that whenever it's presented people can be better armed with sure this is the the old way or the bad way and if we want to combat it here's our suggestion of the good way or you know the new way of working so it definitely it all relies on tech because i i don't think there's any industry that's not touched by tech, especially in, in what we're solving for. And then it is the, the early community. And we already talked about the, the blueprint of the, of why we need to set the standard, um, mm-hmm. because that blueprint means that we're modeling the ideal behavior. We've, we've all complained about it. And so a, a lot of the blueprint is just documenting 
all of the things that are bad. We, we even made a list of agencies' dirty little secrets. You, you, you talked about communities at scale. Age, ad agencies are really large communities. I don't think any, anybody really loves to be there. Maybe they do because they're getting a good pay. They, they might have won an award or they're sticking around for the people. But a, a huge building of an ad agency, you know, there's some reputable ones that I would throw out the name, but I, I don't think if if there's not an agency people here, it doesn't mean anything. But there's the there's the 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 huge conglomerates of of agencies, and it's just nobody knows each other. Nobody's working towards the same thing. There's a lot of bureaucracy. There's you know red tape. It's 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 resented. And so if we if we're going to do this blueprint, then we need to change that. You know, so we have the we have the what are we not. You know, what are we looking for? What are we what are we looking to do? And how do we not get sucked into it? I've I've already done it. I've 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 worked on projects already just to just to model this out and go through the motions. And I've agreed to be on a meeting after hours where I I probably shouldn't have because my good work is not working after hours. I agreed to take a follow-up meeting during a family vacation, which is is not good work for me as a creative individual. And so we look at everything that we say is is not good and we we say how are we going to help alleviate that for the for the community. The tech can do it from the standpoint of how do we do the matching and how do we be more strategic with with humans on what are they capable of and how do we have that influence and compatibility through technology. That you can put on on filters and toggles all day, but then when it gets down to what what are these people going to do in each situation that we won't be able to handle and an agency normally micromanages that and these teams are decentralized and they're autonomous and they're working within their own pod, they have no responsibility back to good work, except for our ask to them is to deliver good work. Otherwise the platform won't work, but yeah, we, we have to, the blueprint is not only the tech, but the, what do we want? How do we want to act in, in these situations in order to change what we're doing? Otherwise we're just as good as, you know, there, there have been plenty of situations already, and we've only been live for two months where scoping, for example, scoping a project and you know, there's the pushback or the negotiation or the spec work that's being asked for. Oh, can you do a test of this before we commit to your team doing the work? Yeah. And when that's being brought up, I, I, you know, flag it of saying this is this is typical. You know, this is this is textbook behavior, and so we could choose to do that, or that company can choose to go to an agency who's going to negotiate the rates, or can choose to go to a studio who's going to do the spec work or can choose to go to the independent creative who's going to to play that game because they have to to say sure I'll I'll do I'll do spec work and and hopefully you award it to me and and that's probably the most likely scenario because that's a one to one relationship base where you don't have the the veiled you know agency where it doesn't affect anybody it's an executive to an executive who says sorry no thank you we're not going to hire your team but yeah. Does that okay. answer your question? Maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I think you gave me it's... enough. I think you gave me enough to paint a picture of what I what I think you're building, right? And I don't, you know, you don't have to you don't have to tell me how the sausage is made, but if I'm if I'm if I'm hearing what you're saying, the technological solution, you know, the the solution that is needed to go from the state that it's in to, you know, the state that it can be is one a a technological tool that allows creatives to collaborate, invoice, set pricing, right? Like takes off the burden of like the business stuff. And that seems to be the easy part. The harder part is that this technological solution needs to be capable of driving behavioral change. And I would assume that that is going to be powered by some kind of like data flywheel that's going to that's going to create behavioral nudges, kind of like behavioral economic style, right? Of just like nudging people of tabulating what leads to good work and being able to prove that out in the future. And then whenever stuff is, so it's building towards being able to quantify the idea that the best practices that you state actually lead to better results for all parties. And at the same time, it's disincentivizing the behaviors that you, your thesis right now, and as you continue to stack up that flywheel, show that aren't good behaviors, right? Either qualitatively or quantitatively. Therefore, whenever you see 
a message that's like, oh, hey, can you also do this, whatever, it's going to it's gonna send maybe some kind of a notification that's like, oh, by the way, you shouldn't be doing this. This is how you handle that objection to the creative. And maybe it sends a notification to the, to the procurement team that says, hey, you know, we see that when this type of stuff happens, what you end up getting is caca, right? Like, you know, that type of thing, right? So there's, there's some element, you know, clearly in any great category king that you're going to build, there's some kind of data flywheel that's going to continue to be your advantage. And it feels like this platform of best practices and analytics is going to lead to that and then drive that behavior. And also in order to get there from the from the collaboration tool, the nudging piece to start with, you're going to need a whole bunch of content that's also going to educate the market be it courses inside it for the creatives that that can teach them how to like level up or things that they want to learn or all these other things that are going to make them better content that's going to educate the procurement teams of just like hey to do your job better it's going to be this way and then you're going to be able to meet this creative in the middle so it feels like a like a a, a combination of you know platform data of what you're going to aggregate, how you deploy that data to drive behavior, and then the content that's going to be air wars over the top to educate the market and educate the ecosystem ahead of time. So it's not always is, you know, so it's, so it's not all stick. It's some carrot as well. Yeah. All right, cool. You you want to, you want to work with me? (laughs) Uh, It's easy. Actually, I I actually do. You know, I do. I, I think the simplest is, do you know what a hold is on a team? No. When I say, okay, so a hold is when a project comes in and the team has been assembled for a, a certain amount of time on a timeline in order to, to be guaranteed that they'll work on that project. And there's the this, this weird problem where companies think that teams will just be waiting around forever. Wow. And so you can use technology now because we can put more of a transactional process in place that says your team is assembled and they expire in seven days, you know, because right now there's no real technology and an agency is very tempted to say in eight days from now, if that project comes in because they really want the money, they're still going to book it. And so an eight day is a, is a, is not a, a significant window to wait, but I've had projects where I scoped it and then nine months later they say, okay, we're, we're, we're ready to go. And I've been, I've actually executed on it poorly because I didn't have the same team that I originally thought was going to be on it. I've scrambled and it's because I, I couldn't say no to the relationship. I wanted to work on that project and, and deliver. And it's not fair to the process that team, that was the team and it has gone away. And so if you're not actually ready to do the work and you're not actually ready to have the team that is available, capable and compatible, then we don't even have to we don't even have to scope this and we don't have to transact on it. Like this is not exploratory. This is you you either want to do work or you don't want to do work. And so yes, to your point, the technology can can eliminate some of these these pressure points in the industry, but then the education of that to say to a company like, did you realize that we're not waiting around for nine months for you to decide on this? You know, yeah. like you you can do this now or you can decide in nine months from now that you're gonna open up a new project, you know. So got it. Got it. There's a there's a there's a perfect use case right there. So let's jam on uh let's jam on lightning strikes, right? So if if this is if this is what you're trying to do, what is kind of like what have you thought on Category design means lightning strike is a one moment that the company builds towards that can educate the whole market that you've arrived and that this problem is, you know, it's not that you've arrived, it's that this educate the whole market on the importance of the problem, right? So, like, what is a what is a place where the creative industry gathers that you can make some kind of action happen? Or have you know, like, have you thought of have you thought of any kind of like Lightning strike idea? I've thought of it. Yeah. Oh, go on. I, I, I mean, yes, because we're we have to. You, you brought it up in the prior discussion around we we have we have three different stakeholders. We have companies, we have creatives, and we have something that is our most important one, which is a team lead. And the, the team lead is the the connection between companies and their and the creatives that are going to be assembled per project, and to catch all of all of those audiences in the same lightning strike 
it it needs to be business and industry related. So it's probably an Adobe event of some sort. You know, it's it's probably somebody who understands that, you know, it's it's probably an event like that. It's it's aligning with industry publications. It's I'm also building content the same way the community is, which is, you know, from the inside out and, and the advocacy there where I'm not trying to get the lightning strike immediately. I'm just trying to get some ground coverage and recon around, you know, what are you experiencing? How is this going? You know, because most of our members are not full-time good work projects. They, they're, they're toggling whatever they were normally doing. Sometimes it's a full-time job or they they're balancing a few other projects with, with agencies or friends that they're working with plus a good work project. So you, I could have people who are, who are, in four different headspaces at the same time, you know, and and even companies work like that too. So the lightning strike is probably from an industry standpoint aligned to something with a a, a category king on on the industry, you know, and it's it's an announcement. We want to wait until we have more of the the projects profiled the type of projects that are good for this environment to start. We we need a few more of those. And we're going to be doing a, a look at how the the data, the member data modeling starts looking like because we're realizing that the that compatibility factor is another thing that we we really want to solve for because some of that you won't know until somebody's actually working on a project. So we won't we're not going after a lightning strike quite yet but now's the time though we're we're looking at post pandemic we had a a huge spike in employment and now it's going to be a a a a recession again and so um creatives are the first to go where in-house or agencies will be will be let go and so the fractional flexible creative teams are going to be desirable so we're coming i mean it's going to be 2023 so Look for it. Yeah, you, and, you sit at a and, you, you sit at like a perfect kind of position to organize something that's like a true lightning strike, right? Because you are you are building a you are building a technological project, so you can set you know the whole like lightning strike thing is aligning your whole company behind this one thing that is bring something new to market with a story that you've crafted in a space where your entire industry is. You're like in the perfect industry of like. You know, Adobe, Cannes Film Festival, South by Southwest is probably too soon for you, right? But like Art Basel, you know, like that. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely events that that are going to congeal, kind of those three that are going to attract those three people, right? The companies, the creatives, and the team leads. You can definitely plan whatever your optimal feature releases around that thing, and then show up with some creative way to tell the story of this problem, right? Like. Be it, I, I remember one of my one of my clients when they brought to market a they brought to market a keyboard that's dishwasher friendly for healthcare applications, right? Because a in order to prevent infection control and like sp- the spreading of infectious diseases, they had like the big medical tech conference. An article had just been published about how keyboards have like the same amount of like fecal matter of blah, blah, blah. Right. So like, so they put these, I mean, you're a woman, so you don't go in a lot of men's bathrooms too often, but you know, in, in men's urinals, there's these like things, these like urinal screens that, that, that they use, they created this urinal screens and put them in all the bathrooms of this medical tech conference saying, did you know that your keyboard has as much bacteria as this urinal screen go to booth X, Y, Z, you know, to talk about, you know, like to, to get the solution and they just completely dominated the thing, right. It's just creative storytelling of the problem is that there's more dirt in a, you know, more stuff in a, in a keyboard than you think we've got the solution, come check us out. And then people show up and they're getting the demo. And it was like the talk of the festival. They got in trouble for it, but you know, six years later, they're still kind of like celebrities at this, at this conference because they pulled this thing. So some kind of thing like that, it sounds like a, sounds like a great, great maneuver for you in one of these like industry-wide events. I'm excited to see what you come up with. Yeah. Just plotting it. And and I think just, just because the, the CEO has been working on this for a year and a half almost. And then I joined over the summer and even in the week over week, we we're refining. And so we're not, we're not going to plan that lightning strike until we are, we're 
we're set on the the refinement, but it's coming. It's 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 definitely building. And I think, especially as we're just starting around our first project completions by the end of the year, we'll we'll have we'll have the the awareness of this is how it works. This is how it's going to work in the future. And this is this is a thing. And and everyone can stop saying we should and complaining about it and and actually do it this way. Love it. Love it. Sharon, before I let you go, it sounds like the the key to this thing is finding project leads, right? Or 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 somebody sending you project leads or I don't know what's your your key to success. What are you looking for? Promote good work. You know, like how do people get in contact with you? This is the moment to get self-promotional, Sharon. Yes. Our working off of team leads as our, our number one priority. And so it's people who have run creative teams in in their career and and are familiar with that process. So that's that's one, I guess, self-promotional aspect. If you're a company who wants to do any sort of creative production, creative services project and are looking for a new way of working, then let's let's do a project together with one of our our good work teams because I'm sure you're you're fed up with the the old way of working. And that's that's about as self-promotional as I'll get right now because I I don't I don't want us to to go after everything. It's it's not about it's not about that. It's about the awareness in this in this call and beyond of really really take a, a look at how how the creative process is working and and think about what could be done differently because this is what a whole industry is is dealing with and some of some of them are at the end of their career so they've been dealing with it for for 40 years and are are probably completely fed up and then we have an incoming generation who won't have to deal with it if we can if we can really change the way that we we engage so that's my call to action it's if you want a project, if you want to do a project, you can you can let us know. And if you are a superhero team lead in the creative industry, I've, I'd love to meet with you. Actually, I would introduce you to. We have a new head of team leads, so I would introduce you to our head of team leads. So, cool. Yeah. You want people to connect with you on LinkedIn? Be your friend. Yeah, LinkedIn. I can even also put my email address if you want. Cool. In Honor. here to everyone. Sure. All right. And we'll, uh, do you want me to link that on the podcast show notes, your email address or not? It's just LinkedIn for, for, for no, the overall audience. If, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. If, so, if you guys, if you guys decided to attend live and then you, then you get the, the contact kidney details, Kid, kidney friends, you guys become kidney friends, kidney friends. So now, you know, if you're listening to this on the podcast, big mistake, you just missed the chance to be Sharon's kidney friend. So good luck with that transplant. Sharon, as we head into this stuff, I'm so happy to see you in this role, right? Like, I just think when you talk about the right person on the right seat of the right bus, like in what you're working on, like, I, I really love it, right? Like as, as somebody who has, my wife is an architect, right? Like the creative industry and the endemic problems with, of like self-worth and how they treat people and how you're like taught to like do this stuff is, it's really, really close to home. And I, and I love the fact that you're out there solving it and I'm super pumped to be a team lead, be all in on this, like good work project focus, you know, kind of like deliver deliverable and the fact that we officially get to work together and do stuff. So thank you for coming on here and, you know, talking about, talking about what you're up to. And I think that was super, super valuable. And it was a great exercise for me to just talk in category design language and and see if we could talk through it. And I can't think of anybody I'd rather do it than with you. Thank you. There it is, Sharon Joseph. Go check her out. Check out what Good Work is doing. And if you want to meet somebody, the other person that we built our first community with, go all the way back to episode four, where I interview Anisia McDowell. She's uh, talking about basically how you can ask and get anything you want, because that's what nonprofit professionals do. It's awesome. Now, I'm going to thank my team, as always, starting with Rowan, who's my account manager, and I just can't live without. She makes sure that everything that I need to be do be doing is is being done and coordinating everything. I just really, really appreciate all the hard work she puts in. JP, who was employee number one, he is our creative director. He's the guy that picks the music, picks the clips, does all the cool stuff to make sure that I and our clients show up online. 
Gina, who is our chief heart officer. She built our culture. She built our team. Eternally grateful for her presence in this company. She is she is the beating heart of it. And uh, Marge is her heart. So got to thank Marge, who we would not be able to count on Gina if it weren't for Marge. And then our other two account managers, Joanna and Joyce, who take care of our other clients. Um, some of the brightest, best uh, people that I know. We got Nicola, our writer, who has been with us for a long time. And uh, he's just grown so much. All the stuff that you that you see being written is being done by him. And it's incredible that he's a 17-year-old Bulgarian young man. And I've seen him grow so much. And uh, Rita, who's our content strategist. And uh, an amazing, amazing new addition to our team this year. And she is driving the strategy for our clients and being my sounding board for all things creative. And finally, Philippe, our newest graphic designer and editor who has really, really impressed us from the moment that he's gotten us. I just really, really want to thank our team. Again, could not have done 200 episodes and everything else that we've done without them. And for you, I just want you to always remember that relationships will always beat transactions. See you on the next one.